Good morning. You're listening to Breakfast Bites, and I'm Felicia King. And today we have special guest, Kyle Wentworth of Wentworth Consulting Group. Kyle is a fractional CTO, that is a corporate technology officer, and he's a business coach for businesses of all shapes, sizes, and flavors. He's also a business process modeler, which uh, translate that for you. Somebody who can listen to what you do in your business and help you model that out and figure out where it's inefficient, where it needs to be better, how it can be streamlined, how you can make more revenue with your processes and stop doing the wasteful things that you probably shouldn't be doing. And I'm sure he could tell us a lot more about that. But uh, that is not the topic of today's conversation. Uh, if you want to get to Kyle's website, it is wentworthconsultinggroup.com. Uh, he has 35 years of business experience and has been working on computers for almost as long as I've been alive. And I will not reveal how old I am. Suffice to say, it's a while. <laughs> so so <laughs> uh, going, uh, going with that lead in, um, I, today we're going to talk about CISOs, CIOs, and CTOs, and when you might need one versus the other. And I think it's going to be a pretty invigorating conversation because it's a complex topic that even IT people would debate about. What do you think, Kyle? We debate about it, and a lot of people debate about it, all based on the amount of knowledge the person is that you're talking to, how much knowledge they have. So definitely is it's a debatable topic the uh, the CTO is a is a critical part of every single business from the day that they decide that they want to become a business and the CISO is a critical part of the business because everything from the day you want to start your business needs to have security as a mindset and the CIO is responsible for taking care of the day-to-day -day operations of that business's technology. And if you have a Felicia in your back pocket, you get everybody. I like so. to think so. <laughs> well, so let, let's pivot into uh, some of the, I think some of the challenges that exist out there are paradigms. I don't think that they actually know what the roles of those people are. And, uh, and then they might get sucked into some marketing ideas about like, um, you know, finding somebody who claims to be such and such, but they don't really have any idea about how to evaluate what that person can deliver. And there's no, there's no one right answer to these things, right? So the idea, I think, with this particular uh, conversation is to try to peel the onion back a little bit and reveal those things about it. Like yesterday, I was watching this webinar from this guy out in New York, and he basically says that he is a one-man band and he's a CIO. Uh, my personal opinion is that he was a clown. And, you know, um, you know, he didn't have anything else to bring to bear. He had no team with him. He, he was just a one-man band. I mean, he could point people in the right directions, potentially, at, uh, at different solutions, but he had no capacity, really, to bring resources to bear, really, to um, you know, to help organizations, I think, like a depth of bench concept. And, and that was how he kind of struck me. And I think that that might be okay if he was being the CIO for a single organization, but as a fractional CIO, mm, a little bit questionable there. Well, let's get into the discussion of what, what the difference is, what the definitions really are. 
So, so to, to start right off, um, the, the CTO is responsible for understanding the futures of technology. Not only do they have to understand what's current in technology, but they have to monitor technology trends and forecast technology futures and to un understand the social and scientific trends that influence business technology goals, not just the technology goals, but the entire business goal structure. So, so very, very much operations based and productivity based. And, and well, in, in understanding, they have to have an overall global concept of everything technology, but they also have to understand how technology is business. Uh -huh. So, I, I coined a phrase years and years and years ago that technology runs your business. You don't. And I totally you don't agree. Understand that. If you don't understand yeah. that, turn it off. We <laughs> facilitate technology in our business to operate our business. So technology runs our business. It's very important. We understand that. So if it's the most critical function of our business, people are not the most critical function. And it's becoming more and more a reality that you can do more and more things with technology, even in an automated capacity. IT people are figuring that out. We're doing more maintenance and more management with less people on more companies because we can automate those functions and even automate some repairs. So so understanding the forecasting of technology, identifying opportunities for risks in your business and how technology manages those risks, understanding the financial footprint of technology in your business and, and participating with executives in the business to identify the future of technology management based on the necessities of the mission and the vision of the business and the current operational structure of the business. That's what a CTO's job is. So move into the CIO. Your CIO is responsible for everything that happens on a day-to-day -day basis related to the infrastructure and physical. I'm touching a keyboard and I have to do a task and to ensure that all of the bells and whistles that people utilize inside of your business are functioning and operationally correct, and that projects related to implementation of new solutions, strategic planning of those new solutions, creating new business values related to technology, ensuring systems and operations and procedures are running correctly, ensuring that backup and disaster recovery mechanisms are in place in order to ensure that the future of your technology is recoverable, is movable, is is capable of being mobile at a moment's notice if ne if necessity strikes so all they're they're responsible for risk management assessments responsible for communicating with the CTO and the CISO um, on a constant basis to ensure that policies and strategies and technologies and standards are all being met in order for people to operate day to day day daily day-to-day -day inside of technology, inside of the business, so that uptime is, is, is maintained. That's the job of the CIO. It's extremely important for day-to-day -day operations and management of the business. 
And then the CIO, the CISO, excuse me. The CISO is responsible for everything related to security, identity management, uh, both, both the training and education of users, um, as well as the physical implementation of security solutions to ensure that identifying and plan planning and strategizing of, of security happens on a constant basis. Users are our number one security risk. So it's, it's extremely important that users are trained and educated in how to help prevent technology security complications in a business. And that's where the CISO comes in. All of these people in their own right are research analysts. So the CISO is responsible for constantly being in communication with other CISOs and other security platforms to understand what the risks are related to security on a day-to-day -day basis. The CIO is constantly doing research on new software packages and new hardware platforms and updates and revisions to things and what can affect my business if something gets installed and how do I install it correctly to maintain control in the business. They're constantly having to do research. And the CTO is constantly having to do research to ensure that the future technologies that are coming out that are that are bleeding edge around the corner, what's going to happen when those technologies are required to be implemented in this business? And how am I going to work with the CIO and the CISO in order to ensure that, that those technologies get implemented in a way that protects the integrity of the business's technology platform? So I think from all this, I now have the answer. What businesses need when they are resource constrained and they can't have all three is they need to find one person that can do all three roles. Or, or one person, and, that, and that's true, but one person, uh, depending on the size of that organization, I mean, a rubber band only stretches so far. So in the capacity of, of all of the things that larger and enterprise organizations um, have to attend to every single day, it can be difficult for a single person to create and manage and control all three of those aspects of their business. However, a, CT a good CTO realizes the limitations of their operational capability based on the amount of time that they can spend on a particular business or in that business. So um, who is it? I think Ben Franklin is the one who said, uh, either Ben Franklin or Einstein, um, you're the smartest person in the room when you realize you're not the smartest person in the room. You have to walk into the room with people who are smarter than you and surround yourself with more intelligent people in the areas you lack at you lack capability in to become the smartest person in the room. And you have to drag those people along with you. So yes, you can have one person who's responsible based on the size of that company to do everything related to the management and operational functionality of technology in the business. As long as they know who the person is, who's responsible for managing the sub entities of that organizational's technology footprint. So another observation I have is I think that certainly in all the organizations that I deal with, which are basically, you know, up to 10, 13,000 users, uh, it, 
that those roles are so highly interrelated. Whenever I've engaged in the capacity as a CISO, I find myself doing um, some CTO things, um, but definitely doing the majority of the CIO things as well. And the reason for that is because, you know, when we've got a security problem, um, is it actually a security problem or is it an operational process problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most, you know, so much of the time you really get down to the nugget of the problem and it's a, an operational process problem. And that's from why a technology, right. From with a technology perspective, that's where wisdom is. <laughs> and so the wisdom of an educated technologist has the capability. I mean, that's where in a lot of cases, 20, 30 year MSP CTOs who have dealt with a thousand clients over the years, they gleaned so much differentiated information amongst the different types of topologies that they've had to incorporate with the different verticals of businesses that they've supported that they glean a different kind of wisdom over technology management than somebody who's sat in a single entity for an extended period of years. Right. It's not that not either of them are, are less intelligent. It just means that I've washed my hands in a lot of different networks over the years. You've washed your hands in a lot of different networks. And, and in that process, you glean a lot of very influential information that a standard 30-year executive in technology who came from the support desk, they they can't, they if they're in the same company for all of those years, granted, they're probably retiring, but they can only really be a CTO and an educated advisor to a company who's been in that same vertical. Uh-huh. Granted, tech, we say technologies, 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 technology. But it's not. There are many different solutions that a company who's in aerospace has to implement than a company who's in dentistry has to implement. Oh, right. I mean, there's so much associated with um, y- you can just completely remove a lot of friction if like you're picking a um, a technology tool that is more towards that particular vertical, like an ERP that's designed specifically for the construction industry, as an example. I mean, if, I've got a lot of experience in the transportation industry, and oh boy, those those tools, those software packages that are used in the transportation industry, you don't find them anyplace else. You know, d- look at look at dentistry, right? How specialized right. that stuff is, and. Uh, really, I think, you know, in the CTO side, in order for this goes into the whole business process side as well, uh, is this aspect of you've got to know these four or five software packages that are part of that particular industry and then simultaneously know, understand that particular business and their unique processes in order to look at that suite of different software packages and go, okay. In this use case, in this context for this business, this is the right product to select. And that's an art form. You know, and and I don't think that you can actually get that from doing demos or talking to salespeople. 
um, for the software companies. Yeah, you can't. So when when you walk into a manufacturing entity and you ask them, uh, are you running Epicor? Or you walk into a dental company and, and you say, are you running Dentrix? Both of those are, Dentrix isn't really an ERP software, but it is to the dentistry. It's dental practice management. Right. But to the dentistry space, um, to most of um, most of the I deal with teeth environments, they're using a Henry Shine related application. Yeah. I can't use Henry Shine in a table manufacturer. Right. But if I've only worked in a table manufacturing company for the last 15 years, I'm more than likely can't just jump ship and go to work for a large practice that deals with some other yeah some other product with a different ERP. Yeah. You understand the concepts of ERP. So that there is a huge benefit in the CTO space of, of having diversification of verticals that we've managed over the years. And when it comes to companies looking for just about anybody who could handle the technology in their space, that's the reason they drive to a managed services company and look for executives in those spaces. So huge, huge benefits to the enterprise space to deal with companies who have a lot of diversification, even if they haven't ever worked in your vertical. Because I mean, the legal vertical, if, if you were dealing with legal entities, they do things different. But if you're dealing with a managed service provider who's dealt with 50 different verticals already, you get more of a, of a potential opportunity for successful support mm -hmm. because they've dealt with compliance. They've dealt with governance. They've dealt with standards that are related to just about every industry. And when you bring those into some other industry, they're pretty much all the same. I mean, there's, there's, there's a major collection of compliance standards that are pretty much all the same. And, and there's variations to them, but, a, B, C, D, and E company use those compliance standards and E, F, G, H, and I company use these compliance standards. And I've worked with all of those as a, as a CTO, you say, I've, I'm an MSP and I've worked with all of these. So if I come over to your company, you're probably a hodgepodge. So of what those are. So that's where this, this benefit of, of if you have somebody in your back pocket that has an extensive technology management capability, it doesn't mean they're going to be your CISO. It doesn't mean that they're capable of rebuilding your servers. But it could mean that they have enough diversification to be your CTO in your business, as long as tailing behind them um, are the people that can do those other positions when yep. those things need to be fulfilled. And but we have none of and none of these people are full-time people after technology is in motion. And yeah, that's mean, the biggest thing. We got to avoid the silos though. I mean, my big observation is these um, you know, the silos where I've seen organizations where they've got somebody who's the CIO and then they've got a CISO and that there's just oh 
I've seen the problems get resolved when the CIO goes away and the CISO takes over all of it. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I think it's just the reality of, of human conflict. And the, the challenge I see is the majority of executive management teams don't really know how to give direction to those people. And depending upon who those people are, they can come, they can somewhat see each other as being in a competing role. And that's where those problems come from. I mean, certainly I can mm -hmm. tell you from my personal experience, having been a CISO in circumstances with a CIO in play, that um, the CIO was, in some cases, I would call the business prevention unit. Um, they were the no person and they were not a business partner to the business people, right? Not seeking to understand what their business processes are. And then I come along with the, the, the eye of like, I want people to do things in a secure way. So the best thing for me to do is understand what their actual business use case is so I can help them figure out how to do it in a secure way that is also reasonably low on the friction scale. So they may actually like security and go, oh, it's more efficient for me to do it the secure better way. <laughs> you know? It's it's very frequent that that when an external individual like a CISO is hired to come and manage the security functions of a business that has a CIO who thought they were the CTO as well as the CISO, um, that there's conflict. This yeah. is... This is the advice to every executive who listens to this podcast. To, uh, it's extremely important that the definition of leadership in your business related to technology is defined to someone who understands the broad scope of technology responsibility and management and enforces a work together solution between the executives who manage technology for your business. There has to be the buck stops here individual in your business, and that has to be the CTO. But the CTO has to take on their shoulders the responsibility for ensuring that the CISO and the CIO are doing their job correctly and working together. Everyone has to be operating together. So it's important that we're working together as a cohesive team. I love that from uh, was that, that movie, Are We an Effective Team? Um, uh, it's very important that we work together as a single entity if the entity has three separate positions with three separate people working in them. And that doesn't even go into the compliance and governance standards director Well, let, if let's you're a large enough organization with that. Well, right. Let's throw out another thing there is I've seen another paradigm failure where a lot of organizations will give somebody an IT director title because that person has been around for a long time. You know, they started off, you know, you, you said about it before, they started off as help desk, they worked their way up, they started fixing servers, and they became the IT manager. And then now the department grew to such a side that size that they need somebody to be a manager of the other IT people. So they give them the IT director title. The big paradigm failure I've seen is then the executive management team in their their hopes and desires to have one throat to choke, they will then project upon that person a CIO status. And I have yet to ever see that actually be successful. 
And it's because the executive management teams are not looking at the skill set of that person and saying, hmm, is that person really CIO material? It doesn't mean that they have to be fired. Doesn't mean you have to bring in another CIO, right? But it's a matter of like, don't project, don't, don't try to project upon them something that they're not, that they're not, or that they've demonstrated that they're not find that maybe a fractional CTO or a fractional CISO to work with that person to try to make things better. But it's that work with piece, because if work with is not there, it's bad. And to your point, Kyle, I completely agree with you that executive management must enforce the work together approach. Yeah. Uh, And one of the things that I've advocated for quite a long time is this concept of, please, would you just take those people's credit cards away? (laughs) You know, can we get a procurement policy in here, right? Because the CISO is mad about it. The CTO is mad about it. When people continue to buy junk because there wasn't a procurement policy that, that wasn't enforced and that because you've given people credit cards, and you let them just buy whatever, and then they buy it, and they're like, "Oh, oh, let me chuck this junk over the fence at you for you to now <laughs> right. have to have to implement," you know. And then the CTO is going like, um, "So you apparently, you know, if you would have talked to me, you would have realized we were already working on this project over here to take care of that in a more holistic way, and we've already done all this R and D on it. Like now, you just went off and went rogue, you know. And then in the meantime, the veins are popping out of the CISO's face, going like." No third-party information security risk management. You sign the contract without me looking at it. You know. <laughs> oh so, yes, that, yes, this has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's where wisdom and experience come in. So, in in the last couple of minutes, we 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 touched a little bit on um, on business process at the beginning, and we should probably just just plug a little piece in there. Business process modeling starts with getting intellectual property out of a brain and onto paper. Okay. Well, that, I, Number let me one add to function it very briefly, of business that, process modeling. That gives you business continuity too. And it gives it you starts, darn, darn good yep. cross training. So it's extremely important that, that there are no roles. I coined a phrase 35 years ago, coming up here pretty quick, documentation before implementation. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So if it's not on paper, my company doesn't do it. Tell somebody in McDonald's to cook a burger a different way. And McDonald's will say, you're no longer a franchise because the franchise dictated, this is how we cook a burger. This is the product we use in the burger. These are exactly how long it sits on one side of the grill. And then you flip it over and it goes to the other side of the grill. All the way to the tune that they got, they they got to the point where people are no longer needed because the business process model was written so well that they're now building a completely peopleless McDonald's in Texas. And that's how you have also have quality control. And you have a hundred percent quality control. And if somebody doesn't like doing the job that they're doing today because they're bored with it, they have to create the documentation exactly for how their bit their process is done and teach it to someone else so that they can move to another position that's different in the business, whether it's up the chain or lateral. Right. Business process modeling is the effective, is essentially is effectively taking 
the intellectual property in our brain on how every function in a business is done and getting into the documentation and then evaluating the efficiencies of those processes. It, it also makes it so that your business can scale because without or, yeah. that, if you're trying to hand train everybody, you can just forget the quality control at that point. I mean, you can't even train people effectively without documentation. And if you ever want to sell your business and don't want to stick around to let the new people learn how to run your business, you have right. to get the business out of your brain. Yep. So for executives, if you want to increase your your EBITDA costs, your EBITDA values in your business, business process modeling is the thing that does that. All right. Well, uh, I think we're about at time, yeah? We're about at time. So thank you for sh sharing with us your wisdom on this. Um, I thank you for all of your lovely prepared notes. You did some serious homework here for this. <laughs> <laughs> this is just in the brain. Too long I've been doing that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to Incidentally, post. I'm going to give you all a plug from, for Felicia. There is there's no better security engineer on the planet. And, and she proves it by proving every other security engineer on the planet has lost their marbles. So she's got it. If, you, if you're looking for a company to maintain the security in your business, there's no further business to look for. All right. Thank you for that. And uh, I am going to post all of these lovely notes uh, with the podcast for people's future reference. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks, Felicia.